Welcome to this week's message from Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit myselfland.com. We're going to be talking uh, about a topic out of Luke 17. Now, does that sound familiar? <laughs> this is, uh, Chris was mocking me already, Pastor Chris, and he was saying this is a series, a mini-series within a mini-series or something like that, out of Luke 17. Now, he preached on uh, two messages out of Luke 17, and the first one, he, he, I think he called it something like offense and millstones and forgiveness, and uh, he really he really focused in on something we don't talk a lot about, which is offense and then the millstones uh, piece, particularly in verses 1 to 3. And uh, then he touched on forgiveness uh, at the end. And uh, so this, uh, the, this particular message is kind of like a part two. And it's the, it's the flip side of that and, and really focuses and zooms in on the particular part about forgiveness itself. And uh, if we're going to renew ourselves, our families, and our churches, one of the key things we are going to have to get really good at is forgiving. Amen. Would you agree with that? And so that's what we're going to talk about this, uh, this morning. And so, Father, we just ask that by your Spirit, you would speak to our hearts and we tell you that, we le- that we're going to intentionally lean in and listen to what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed by saying... Amen. Now, the first thing we're going to look at is that forgiving is a command that we're expected to obey. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, pay, I'm going to start the story right up at the top, exactly where Pastor Chris uh, started it, but I'm going to continue. And, and uh, so this is what Jesus said to his disciples. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. And about woe to anyone through whom they come. So offense is coming, as Pastor Chris talked about, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone in other words, and, and tie, tied to their neck. That's like putting a, a big rock around your neck and drowning you. It would be better to do that, to drown you like that, he said, than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. If they, what? If they sin against you, what are you supposed to do? Okay, uh, you've got, uh, I need more than a dozen people saying that. What are we supposed to do if they offend us? If they sin against us, we're supposed to what? Okay, one more time. We're supposed to what? Exactly, we're supposed to forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day. Now that's quite a few times in a day, wouldn't you say? Um... And seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must what? Forgive them. Well, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, you see that verse, it's going to come up, and there's a conjunction right at the front. It's a Greek conjunction, chi. It can be translated and or but, and none of the, trans, none of the English translations have translated that. Though I can tell by the exclamation mark at the end, that they put at the end that they actually understood what was going on. Okay, so it's not, it, it might not be as clear to you as the reader, but I can tell that the translators knew what was going on, and they were correct. But the disciples said to the Lord, then you better increase our faith. In other words, they were saying, Lord, this is such a hard thing you're asking us. This is impossible to do. And so they said, well, then you better, you better increase our faith. Well, Jesus responds to that 
And uh, verse number six, and he replied, if you have faith as small as mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. What is going on in the story here? He said, now some pastors, or some preachers, I should, I should say, we've sometimes done a disservice to the scriptures because we take things out of context. This isn't a, and then they preach a message on that about faith. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not preaching a message about faith. He's responding to what they said uh, when, he, when he said to them, I want you to forgive even seven times a day. He was making it so hard, so very hard. Now, is forgiveness hard, yes or no? Forgiveness is very hard. So were the disciples right in saying it's hard? Absolutely they were right. And why is forgiveness so hard? Part of the reason that forgiveness is so very, very hard is because an offense does what? It hurts. Is that true? And so everything in, in us screams for justice, but even if you get justice, does it necessarily take away the hurt? No, and that's why forgiveness, that's why sometimes you see people who, you know, have been really hurt badly, maybe sexual abuse or whatever, and they take the perpetrator to court, and, and the court meets out justice and sends them to prison, and they're still in pain because it hurts, which is why forgiveness is so, so very, very difficult. So Jesus is not responding to the content of what they're saying. He's not saying, no, you're, you're wrong. Uh, uh, you know, uh, forgiveness isn't that big a deal. You know, if you just had a little bit of um, faith as much as mustard seed, then you could say this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be thrown in the thing. He's not saying that at all. He's responding to their response. He's responding to their heart attitude. He had said to them, you are supposed to, what? Forgive. Forgive. And the response is, it's so hard. I mean, I want you to picture them like this. Twelve of them standing in front of them like this. Then, well, then you better increase our faith. And he said, you don't need more faith. You've got plenty of faith. That's what he's saying in verse 6. If you just had, uh, you know, uh, just, just the tiniest, tiniest little seed, you can hardly see it like a mustard seed, you'd be able to tell this tree to be uprooted and go. You... You have plenty of faith. That's not what you need. And then he goes on and tells a story. Uh, he tells a parable. D Jesus was a master teacher, wasn't he? Amen. Man, if he was here, uh, Pastor Chris and I would never get a chance to speak. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> You'd just say, oh, would you please sit down? <laughs> you know, go, go greet or, or, or something. Work with the kids. Be in the nursery. Do something like that. Uh, but leave the teaching to Jesus. So, then Jesus tells a story. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? He's asking a rhetorical question. In that day, the answer would have been <laughs> no. <laughs> Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get ready, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was what told to do ah see he's talking he's still talking about that he's talking about the attitude I told you to forgive and you and you've got this stinking attitude you're lipping off I'm supposed to be your Lord and master but you don't do what I tell you to do 
And so he tells them this story taken right from their culture, and they would understand. He said, will you thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? He's driving the point. You're supposed to obey. When I tell you to do this, when I say you need to forgive, you need to forgive. Just do what I tell Well, here comes the application. So you also, when you have done everything you were, help me church, told to do, should say we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Okay? So, uh, I, I mean, uh, now, it's, he's not finished though. You can imagine, often Jesus would be telling, he'd be telling stories when they'd be sitting and eating, or he'd be teaching them. He'd be teaching them as they walked. It reminds you of Deuteronomy, where he said, that's how we're supposed to teach our kids, you know. Um, and uh, so, as they were walking, he would often teach them as they're going from one village or one town or one city to the other. And that's exactly what we find happening in verse 11. Take a look at this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, what is going on here? Jesus is God, right? And his, his ways of teaching are amazing. Sometimes... Sometimes there's more power in what you don't say than in what you do say. Is that true? A master teacher knows how to do that. And Jesus was the master teacher. So he's made his point. He says, you, you don't need more faith. You just need to, he's implying, you just need to obey. Then he tells the parable and says, you also, in the same way, you should have just done what you were told to do. He's still not addressing forgiveness. He's just addressing the attitude and the response. When I say something, you obey. And in this particular case, I'm telling you to do something very difficult. I know it's very difficult, but when I say you're supposed to forgive, it's very important that you forgive. That's two things. Now, they're walking along, and he's really trying to hone this lesson in. This is a huge lesson. This is one of the greatest lessons for Christians, and you'll see in, in a moment why. So now 10 lepers come. They cry for pity. They want to be what? They want to be healed. So they, uh, they cry from a distance. They're not supposed to come close. And uh, they've got leprosy. You know, the extremities are being eaten away. The nose pieces are missing, parts of the ears, parts of the fingers. It's a horrible disease, and toes, and what have you. And they cry out for mercy. Now, did other people cry out for mercy for God to heal them, yes or no? Or for Jesus to heal them, yes or no? Yes, often they did. And uh, remember uh, the blind man who wanted, uh, who wanted Jesus to have pity on him and, and heal him, and Jesus takes some dirt, and he, these are some ways he did it. And, and he would spit into it, made a little bit of salt, put it on the eyes, and he was healed immediately. Uh, then the centurion comes, says, my daughter's dying, Jesus is about to go, and the centurion says, no, no, you don't even have to come to it. Just say the word, and she'll be healed. Was she healed? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then think about, the, um, think about the, the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember her? Uh, she said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. And she had suffered much. 
And of course, that, uh, she's, she's thinking about the uh, Malachi prophecy that said there's the son of right when the Son of Righteousness, the Messiah, would come, he would have healing in his wings. That's what those tassels were called at the bottom. And so uh, she says to herself, she believed that prophecy, and she knew that the Messiah would have healing in his tassels, in, in his wings. So she said, if only I can touch those tassels, I'll be healed. Did she, touch the, did she touch the hem of his garment? It says hem of the garment, but that's what it's referring to. Did she? Yeah, she did. And was she healed? Yeah, Jesus said, who touched me? Some power went out from me. And, uh, I mean, they would be healed instantly. Like, it was, it was crazy. Wherever he went, people were just being healed. Remember the guy being let, let down through the roof? I, I mean, he, would just, he was healing them all over because, it says in Acts, because the power of God was with him. Because God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what it says. For God was with him. Now, we look at this passage, and this one is completely different. Ten lepers want to be healed. Jesus could have just called out and said, Be healed in my name. <laughs> and they would have been healed, would they? Sure. Uh, he he could have uh, he he could have done any number of things. They would have been healed instantly, but that's not what he does. He says, "Go show yourself to the uh, to the high priest." That doesn't make any sense because if uh, if 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 a, if a person with leprosy thought uh, that they were healed, uh, like uh, they were excluded from community because of their leprosy. But if they were healed, before they could come back into community, they had to go back to the high priest to be examined. That's what he's saying. Go show your high, yourself to the high priest so he can examine you. Well, they're looking at each, at each other and they're saying, I'm missing all these things. Nothing has changed. I'm, I'm not healed. Why would I go to the high priest? You can imagine them saying, Lord, this makes no sense. Maybe they would have said, increase our faith. Because why would we go to the high priest if he wouldn't have, haven't even healed us? Just heal us already, and then we'll go to the high priest. Is that what they did? And, and we know that they weren't healed that instant, because the very next thing that it says, it says, uh, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they, what? Went, they were healed, or they were cleansed. Now, you can imagine, there's 12 disciples here. They're all standing there and they're whispering to each other and saying, what is he up to now? What, what is he, what, what's he doing with these ten lepers? Like, why didn't he just heal them? If he's going to heal them, then heal them already. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. You can see them all having this little conclave. Uh, they're having a meeting. And uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and Jesus says to the lepers, go show yourself. Do the lepers talk back? Yes or no? Oh, do they go even though they're not healed? The answer is, yes, they did. Do you see the object lesson? Jesus is, without saying a word, he's contrasting the response of the disciples with the response of the ten lepers. He says to them, do a difficult thing, and they talk back, they lip off, they put their hands on their shoulder, and they say, well, then you better increase our faith. So he's done three things. He said, you don't need more faith, and he explains that. He tells them a parable, and now he gives them an object lesson showing them how other people respond when he tells them to do something that is difficult and doesn't make sense. 
Now you say, why would Jesus, why is he getting so amped up on this thing? Like, he is just pressing this issue. Like, what, what is this about this forgiveness thing that he is, he's just not letting this thing go? I mean, he's leaving no wiggle room here for a difficult situation in this thing called forgiveness. Why would he do that? I think for that we have to go back now to verses 1 to 3. Let's go back to verses 1 to 3. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause any one, one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves and forgive. Now, Pastor Chris uh, really expanded on that, and he talked about all the different kinds of offenses and how they cause people to stumble, uh, and stumble eternally, and why that's so serious. And I want to touch on an offense that has to do with what we're talking about in this particular message, and it's the offense of unforgiveness. You see, it's not when we don't forget, like sometimes we say, okay, somebody offended me. And they can cause people to stumble in such a way that they leave the church, they walk away from God, they don't read their Bibles anymore, and they end up in a Christless eternity. That's, that's true, correct? That's what Pastor Chris was getting at. Is that true, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Which is why offense is such a serious matter. But what I want to say from what we're talking about here the, there's a, there is a reciprocal kind of and responsive kind of uh, or response to the offense that can itself become a, um, an offense that causes young ones to stumble for eternity, walk away from God, walk away from the church, walk away from the Bibles, walk away from Jesus, and spend eternity separated from God in hell. Is that true? And it is unforgiveness. That is one of the chief offenses. I mean, <laughs> Christians are involved in all kinds of offenses, but that is a chief one that we sometimes don't think about. We think about, well, the person offended me. Yeah, but our response to that can cause the same thing. Uh, I'm thinking about, and I haven't always got that right, and, and, and maybe I'll have time the time is moving very quickly, but so I'm not sure if I'm going to uh, be able to, but <clears throat> I had to learn this lesson the hard way. I thought, I remember being offended in, uh, in the first church in, in Woodstock, and I, because, uh, because this, this couple, and he was an elder, and he, uh, she was screaming at my wife, and I said, nobody's ever going to treat me like that again, and then, I, and then I said, I forgive and all that. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I'm just saying that because I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm just saying, Ray, you've, you've got it all figured out and, and we've, you know, and, and you're telling us poor beggars here that we better get our act together. Well, it is true. <laughs> you do need to get your act together. We all do. Amen? <laughs> but I want to show you how it works and, and what I learned from that. Because uh, before we came to this church, we were in another church and we were attending there. And uh, as we were uh, attending, we had teenagers at the time, and I remember them telling us, 
uh, at the time, they would like me to speak in a, in a you know, in a, uh, get in, in a rotation, and then I would speak once every, you know, five weeks or whatever. And then they said, but you're going to have to become a member. We hadn't been attending that long yet. And I said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. In the course of the conversation with the church leaders, for some reason, it all came out that I wasn't a pacifist and they were a pacifist church. Now, they said, well, if you're not a pacifist, then you can't be a member. And if you aren't a member, then you can't serve in this church. Uh-oh, now we had a problem. And now we couldn't become members. Now we couldn't even serve. I couldn't do anything in the church at all. Now, many people get offended by that. You can get offended by that. People get offended for a lot less than that in churches. And so I said to, um, I said to Fran, well, you know, at some point we're, we're just going to have to move on. But in the meantime, one of our teenagers asked us a question, said, we've noticed, or I've noticed, you aren't a member in this church yet, and you always said in Woodstock that membership was important. So why aren't you a member? Uh-oh, now we have a problem. We've got to tell this teenager why we aren't members. And uh, we did, and uh, the teenager immediately took up our offense. Do you see the problem? So I said, no, 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 I defended the church. And I said, that church was there long before we ever got there, and they have a right to believe what they want to believe. Is that true, church? Do you believe that? It's called freedom of religion. Amen? They have a right to believe that. And it's not up to me to come in there, and now they've got to conform to me. If I want to be part of them, I've got to conform to them. And if I can't, then I've got to move out on nicely. With blessing. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew, Fran and I had some real heart-to-heart -heart conversation. We said we better be very careful how we navigate this. In fact, I said, now we can't move. Because this teenager, or the, all the teenagers, maybe they're all watching, they have to see that we are not offended and that we agree with the church and we completely bless them. So we stayed every Sunday. We went, shook hands with leadership, talked nice about them, talked nice at home about them. Does that ring a bell? Didn't say, didn't diss the leadership, didn't diss the church, didn't diss anything. Defended them right to the nth degree. And finally, it was a no, it was a non-issue in, in our family. And then at that point, as we were praying, we just felt a release from the Lord. Now you can move on because I've called you to ministry, so you're going to have to go somewhere where you can minister. Amen? And so then we just, we just moved on. Do you see why Jesus was so adamant about this thing? You better obey me in this thing. Better be like these, these lepers because otherwise you're going to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And I wonder how many. My heart breaks when I think of people who have walked out of churches mad and upset because the pastor did something wrong. I mean, one of the things I used to do for the membership Sundays, I don't know if you remember it, but they'd all line up here. And one of the last things I would say to them, congratulations, we're so glad you become a member here at, at our church. And here's a promise I make to you. And then I would say, I promise you that we're going to offend you at some point while you're here. I promise that. Have you ever heard that in a membership? 
kind of a meeting. <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous. But I knew we could promise that. <laughs> That's one thing we could guarantee. You will get offended in this church. I mean, do you, are you ever offended in your marriage? Yeah, I've been offended a friend many times. She's never had to be offended about me. <laughs> Actually, it's the flip side, <laughs> and you know it. Um, uh, why? Because we know it's going to happen. The, the point is whether you're going to, you can't find a church, and people go to another church because then they won't be offended. Ah, welcome. You're just going to get offended again. And you're going to have to learn all over how to do it until you get this thing right. But in the meantime, it's doing tremendous damage to people in your influencer circle because then people start to tell their relatives and their friends, not just their, not just the people, not just their young people and stuff. And suddenly you have people that leave the church, they leave God, they leave the Bible, and they will spend a Christless eternity in hell because we refuse to forgive. That is a serious matter. Would you agree with that, church? Serious. So, now, did Jesus, does Jesus actually address the content of what they're saying? He first he addresses this whole attitude and this talk back, and we won't do it, and he's saying, actually, this is a very serious topic we're talking about here. But then we, can, we get to the point of what does it mean to forgive? Forgiving is a process of actions it's not just an event, because the lepers, the lepers cried out, Lord, have pity on us, and the Lord, and then Jesus said, uh, go show yourself to the priests, and then it says, as they, what? Went, they were cleansed. And I believe that in this short story, this pericope, he's putting it all together. I believe that he has, I mean, he, he instructs more in other parts, and you're going to see it in just a minute, but he's demonstrating something to them that forgiveness comes as you go. It's a, it's a, it's a series of events. It's a process. It's not just, it's not just an event. Many, many believers uh, think that forgiveness is when you say, when you think in your head, I forgive so-and-so, or you might even say it out loud, I forgive somebody. But have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever made up in your mind, I forgive so-and-so, -so, and you said it. You thought it, you said it, I forgive so-and-so. Have you ever done that and it didn't seem to work? Yes or no? If, if, if that ever happened to you, raise your hands. Okay, whew, I'm glad it happened to you. Otherwise, we could close the service right now. I thought that's what it meant. That's why in Woodstock, when, uh, when, uh, when this happened, when this couple yelled at, at my wife and stuff, and I, and, I, and I drove away from there and I said, no one is ever going to do this to me again. Is that, does that sound like forgiveness to you? No. But I kept saying to myself, I forgive so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. I forgive them. I forgive them. And I said, and nobody's ever going to do this to me again. I forgive them, but nobody else is going to ever do this to me again. I thought that when you think it or say it, that means you have forgiven it. And many Christians are under that illusion. That is not what forgiveness is. Um, I remember a couple well, after I started here, 
uh, just shortly after I'd started here, a couple wrote, I mean, I, was, uh, I hadn't even been here very long yet, and they wrote a six-page letter of all the things that disqualified me from being uh, the pastor in this church and the reasons why I shouldn't be the pastor, and they sent it to the board. Now, if they would have just talked to me first, I could have helped them, and it would have been 12 pages, <laughs> at least. <laughs> I mean, they were being generous, only six. Because we all sin, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. And so, uh, but they didn't. They told the board, and so the board had called this meeting, and I sat in the middle, and they read this six-page letter. And that, that, does that hurt? Yeah, that hurts. Ah, ooh, that one, that didn't feel good. But I was, I'm, I'm a pastor, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm, that means I'm spiritual. <laughs> you didn't know that, eh? Well, now you know. So I knew what to do. You have to forgive, because that's what the Bible says, and I've memorized that. And uh, you have to forgive. So I did. I said, I, I, I forgive uh, to myself. I said, I, I forgive him. I even phoned him at the end of it. I thanked him for coming and sharing. I actually did that. It was weird. <laughs> but uh, the next morning, I, I was so glad it was the next morning, a new day, and I went to prayer to be with Jesus, just like we're singing worshiping about. You know, isn't it wonderful to be with Jesus in, alone with him? Eh? You know, 1 Peter 1, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, you do not see him, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 1 Peter 1, 8. Is that true? Oh, my goodness. I, I felt it this morning again when I was out on the deck, and I, and I, and I quoted that verse to Jesus. And I, I said, it's just lovely being in your presence. But guess what happened that morning? They showed up in the prayer meeting. Have you ever had somebody show up who, in your prayer meeting with Jesus, your time with Jesus, who you didn't invite, who's offended you? Has that ever happened? Yep, they showed up. And uh, I tried to get them out. I, I said, well, thanks for coming, but get out. <laughs> and, and, and I could not get rid of them. And uh, finally my prayer time was over. It was awful, awful prayer time, lousy time. Next morning, oh, new day, Jesus, great to be in your presence again, and they showed up again. And the next day, and the next, and finally I was so frustrated. I said, Jesus, why are they showing up in this prayer meeting all the time? And the Spirit whispered to me, it's because you haven't forgiven them. Yes, I have forgiven them. I said, I forgive them. I did it in capital letters. I forgive them. And Jesus said, no, you didn't. Well, then I said, then, Lord, you've got to help me because I've tried. And I'm really, I'm really sincere about it. I want to forgive him, but it's not working. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. So then I said, please help me. So I listened in prayer, because James says we can. <laughs> if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Anyway, I listened in prayer. And the Holy Spirit gave me three things. He said, I want you to do three things. The first thing, I want you to pray for them every day. Pray for them every day? About what? <laughs> the same thing that you would pray for yourself. Okay. What's the, what's the second thing you want me to do? I want you to do something good to them. Okay, I'll do some good. What? Go see them every Sunday and shake their hand. I, you mean I'm supposed to go and like pass by the good ones and talk to them? 
and shake their hand? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Well, what am I supposed to, and the, here's the third thing, I want you to say something nice to them. Like what? <laughs> Think of something. <laughs> so there I had my three instructions. So I said, okay. <sighs> Next morning, prayer time. Oh shoot, there they are again. Yeah, I'm supposed to pray for them. Okay, dear God, I pray for so-and-so. Bless them. <laughs> Amen. Oh, it was hard. And then came Sunday, dreaded Sunday. Oh, dreaded Sunday. Have to pass all the good people that want to talk to me. And I have to go to the ones that offended me. Hello, Hector. Hello, Melinda. Hi. Thanks for coming. Oh. I said something good. Next day. Next day. No. No, no, no. It's not finished. Dear Jesus. Oh, next morning. Uh, there they are again. What do you want me to pray? Oh, Jesus, help me pray. What, what do I pray for them? What do I pray? Yeah, pray. Lord, I pray you. Uh, yeah, give them a good, uh, yeah, give them a good marriage. Okay. Oh, that was hard. Here comes that dreaded Sunday again. <laughs> Passed by all the good people. Going, here I'm going. Hi, Hector. Hi, Melinda. I like, I like your shirt. <laughs> uh, oh, now I can have a good Sunday. Next morning I'm praying, oh dear Jesus. Oh, dear Jesus, and I pray uh, for Hector and Melinda, and Lord, I heard that uh, their, little, uh, their little boy was uh, sick, and I, uh, I, I pray that you'd make him better. Amen. All right. And that their marriage would be good, and here comes Sunday again. Pass the good people. Hello, Hector. Hi, Melinda. God bless you guys. You doing okay? Yeah, like, uh, like your glasses. You're looking good. Yeah, you're, you're looking great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for coming, eh? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah okay. Yeah, dear Jesus, you know what, Lord? I really feel for uh, Hector and Melinda. They're really going through a hard time with their boy, and that's really tough, and I really feel bad for them. Lord Jesus, please, uh, please would you inter inter intercede. Uh, like, would you do something for them? I pray you encourage him and bless him. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Here comes Sunday. Da, 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 da. Where's Hector and Melinda? Hector, Melinda, God bless you, man. It's so good to see you. How are you doing? How's the kids doing? Are you, are you feeling better? Yeah, yes, yes, Jesus, I love Hector and Melinda. Oh, Jesus, I love Hector and Melinda. Going, they were healed. Forgiveness is an action. Is love, is love an action? Yes, we always say that. Uh, Jesus, uh, you know, John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish. For God did not send his Son into the world to, what? Condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Is that forgiveness? Yeah, God so loved that he, what? 
gave that he forgave. Love is an action. Forgiveness is part of love. And forgiveness is an action. And far too many of us as believers, we think it's a thought or a decision. That's a great thing. That's, that's the place to start. First you say, okay, Lord, I forgive Hector. That's where you start. I forgive. That's a great place to start. It's the decision that you are going to forgive. But it isn't forgiveness. The forgiveness comes, take a look at what Luke chapter uh, 6 verse uh, 37 uh, 27, 28 says, but I say to you, what? Love your enemies. Now, it looks like there's four parts there. It isn't four parts. He's saying, love your enemies. This is how you love them. And I was reading this uh, months later. I, I came upon Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 27 to 28, and I was reading it, and I read, love your enemies. And then it said, do good to those who hate you. All at once, my eyes opened up. Bless those who curse you. Pray, pray for those who mistreat you. Oh, wait a minute. Do good to them. Shake their hands. Uh, bless them and curse. Say something nice to them. Pray for those who mistreat That's what you were telling me all along. It was written in your word. You told me to do exactly what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 8. I burst into laughter in my devotional time. And half of heaven with me. They said, the pastor finally gets it. <laughs> it's amazing. A pastor gets it. That's, what it. that's what it says. How do you love your enemies? That's how you love your enemies. You do good to them. You bless them. You pray for them. Is that true? No. You say, it's, it's an action. And as you go, you start to feel like you love that person. And you know what happened? In that particular case, that woman finally eventually, I mean, I started enjoying going finding them. And one day God said, you don't have to pray for them anymore. In fact, you don't have to shake their hands anymore. But after that, they were one of the good ones that I wanted to shake hands. <laughs> and one day the woman came, called me on a Saturday night and said, I'm bringing an unsaved person to church tomorrow. And uh, I would like to introduce this unsaved person to you, Pastor Ray. First time she called me pastor. Wow. And she was tipping me off too so that I'd have a sinner's prayer at the end and all of that. She wanted to make sure, let's get that in there. And suddenly there's this, the feelings come later because the hurt is healed as we go. Amen. If you just think in your head that you forgive something and you do none of those three things, you will never get past the issue. Never. That's how, uh, that's how we do it. Uh, that's precisely how we do it. And that's why it's so very, very important. Now you say, do I have to do all three in order for this to happen? Well, uh, this, this is where the listening and prayer and how are you going to do it? Because the application of this is different. In, in many cases, that's what you can do. But there may be situations like maybe a parent has died that you haven't forgiven about some particular offense. And uh, although maybe the Holy Spirit, as you're praying and listening, will say, go to the graveside and do something. Or, uh, but you may not be able to do something nice for them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, in, in live. 
or maybe uh, maybe there's a child that has been uh, you know sexually abused or you know a teenager whatever by a parent or whatever well it's not advisable that they go to them and hug them like I did Hector or something like that um, but that's why you have that's why you have the spirit of Christ in you so that you can have those discussions with him and he can give you wisdom and insights as to how to do it best is that true and then as we walk that out we begin to experience healing now forgiving in this how this where I'll end it up comes with benefits you experience healing some some of it inner like a lot of it inner healing but also sometimes physical healing comes and we sometimes hear that from set freeze across the country or around the world where somebody has forgiven somebody and and then they also experienced a physical healing it will keep your children from falling. That's a, a second benefit. It'll cover over a multitude of sins and save somebody. Listen, in James, he says, my brothers, if, if one of you should turn away, uh, uh, should, oh, here, I better, I better read that here. If one of you should wander away from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner back from his ways uh, will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. When you forgive somebody, not only is it the people that you're influencing that might walk away from uh, Jesus and the church and everything else and be separated from Christ for eternity, but the person that you will not forgive, you, you may, instead of helping them come back, Fran and I always have had a, in our life, if, uh, if a teenager offended or something, uh, offended us, one of the things we always said, we're going to keep the bridge down and the light on. Amen? You never, ever pull up the bridge in your home, and you never pull up the bridge in your church family either. Amen? You always keep the bridge down and open and the light on so that the person who has wandered from the truth can come back. Amen? Do you know that in this church we've had that Friend, I've had that philosophy for years. Uh, I mean, not, I told you already how I failed in the first one. Uh, but for years here, we have said when somebody is offended us or, you know, or, or offends us or leaves the church, gets mad or walks away or whatever, the bridge stays down and light on. And if we see them uptown or whatever, we're always going to be kind to them. We'll always be gracious to them. And you know what? Many have come back across that bridge and are back in this church over the years. Many. Because you leave the bridge down and the light on. Amen? We have to forgive. And we save people from death. And think about the people that they're influencing. If you do not forgive somebody, think about they walk in, in darkness in many cases and the people that they influence, maybe their children or their friends or something, maybe they never see Christ because of it. Do you see the importance of that? It's very, very important. A benefit four, God will forgive you. And oh my, that needs a whole nother message itself. For if you forgive men uh, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I just don't have time to to expand on it, I'll end here with the last one. Benefit number five, you will receive an eternal reward. You've heard that it was said, love your, enemy, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your 
enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Look how the Father does it in this next passage. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen? And he's saying, uh, we're supposed to do the same thing as the Heavenly Father. And then he says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even tax collectors do that. And the implication is, there's a reward for forgiveness, an eternal reward. Can you imagine that? You say, well, I have, I have forgiven and I've kept the bridge down, kept the light on, but it never, I've never seen any results of it. Some of the results you'll never see. Doesn't mean there aren't any. But even if there weren't, in the end, you get an eternal reward for that. Is that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. So I'd like you to bow your heads for just a moment and ask the, we'll ask the Holy Spirit, is there anyone, does a, does, a, does a name immediately come to your mind? Does a face come to your mind that's been popping up in your prayer time from time to time? And God says to you, I want you to walk out this forgiveness for them. Say to the Lord right now, Lord, I've, I am going to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them. That's just the decision, and it's a wonderful decision, and God is so pleased with that because the implications of that are huge. Think about it. If in churches across this country, and there's 10 or 11,000 evangelical churches just in this country, and there's, I don't know how many churches around the world, but can you imagine if in every church, every Christian forgave their offender, I think we would have revival breakout. I think it would be unbelievable revival. Say to the Lord, this week, I choose to do it. Lord, I'm going to bring this into my devotional time, and I I'm going to listen to you. Give me some wisdom how I can, how I can walk this thing out, how I can do good to them, bless them, and pray for them. But I choose today that I'm going to get on that side. I'm not going to be like the disciples who said, well, then you better increase our faith. I choose to humble myself like the lepers and just go. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.